Today I want to try to finish a series I've endeavored to try to at least scratch the surfaces on, that is, of God of all circumstances. I think most of us in this room, even this past week, have dealt with circumstances and faced situations we never thought we'd face. Frankly, we don't know what's going to happen next week either. We don't. One thing we can count on, though, is God. He is a God of all circumstances. I've tried to open that up by throning him. That is, no matter what the circumstances might be, that God is on his throne. He's in control. Sometimes circumstances will overwhelm us and make us feel feeble and weak, scattered. Almost that God has left us and doesn't care. We need to reach back and grab our hearts and throne him, put him on the throne, take ourselves off the throne. Then we talked about circumstances of various kind makes us think of God, particularly when we get desperate in his need. What a blessing it is when we have situations in our life that force us even to think, think of God. When we think of him, we thank him. And last week we tried to deal with circumstances not even mattering. That's the time to try God, to prove him, to prove that he is God, that he can do all things. That when we tell him that we love him and that he tells us what to do, then we do it and we believe it. And today, I guess, is trying to be a capstone on all of that. That is a God of all circumstances, a God we can trust in all circumstances. What I mean by trust is that we rely on God, that we simply believe Him, that we can rest on Him. Just like in God, when we go to sleep at night on our beds, we don't lay there, do we awake, wondering if our bed's going to fall down. We might toss and turn, but it's not because the bed will fall down. Same way with God, no matter what the circumstances might be, He's there to hold us up. He loves us, and we can trust Him. So I want to say that today in the midst of a, an episode in Scripture that I think brings that to light, and it's in, found in the book of Jeremiah. Would you turn there with me, chapter 29? I know you're familiar with at least one or two of these verses. You probably have it on your refrigerator. That's good. But I wanted to set the whole context by reading several verses from Jeremiah 29. Here's a situation where Israel, God's very people, are in captivity. What's amazing about that circumstance is that God did it. God brought them into captivity. I want you to know that we're in captivity too. We're in captivity right now to a virus that we can't see. I don't know how long we'll be in captivity to it. But we need to understand that God is a God of all circumstances. We're also in captivity to a government. We have men and women telling us to do things that make literally no sense at all. And the reason is not based on anything God would have us do. In fact, it's just the opposite. The very thing and freedom that brought this country together, Christianity, now is being laid aside. The gospel itself is in the captivity. It doesn't have free course in every place like it once did. So it's no wonder that we're in captivity. God has a purpose for it. You know, we might think we can live just any old way. But I think we've seen enough of the virus to understand that God can close a ball stadium. God can close a business on Sunday. God can close a church. God does it for a purpose. But through it all, we've got to trust Him. And the frank, frank part is, every business, we ought to, what business that are not vital 
can be closed and should be closed not because of the coronavirus or government, but because of conviction. We ought to be so convicted that we trust God. When we trust God, we will be. Because trusting God will set our priorities. May the Lord bless us. Well, here's the people of God in captivity. Brought there by God. We're going to hear God say that. Look at verse 1. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the residue of the elders which were carried away captives. And to the priest and to the prophets and to all the people from Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that, Jeconiah, the king and the queen and the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elisa, the son of Saphan and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Now right here, start paying attention with me. That's because what God said. The God of Israel unto all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto captive. You heard that, didn't you? That's what God said, I caused it. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that, ye, that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city whether I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Isn't that amazing what God has just said? Even in captivity, in that circumstance, you've got to be productive. You've got to press on. You've got to pray for people that put you there. Tell you, it takes trust in God to deal, deal with this. It goes on, verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. There are people that will lie. There are so-called prophets of God that will lie. Trust God in all circumstances. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away from captivity, and I will gather you from the nations." From all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, if that's not a God of all circumstances, I don't know. See, it's easy to trust God in the light, but can you trust Him in the dark? I remember my granddaughter Kelsey, when she was just a little girl, was riding with me on a train, family was, and we went through a tunnel somewhere up in North Carolina. And she was maybe three or four maybe, and I remember her sitting beside me. And when that darkness came in that tunnel, and I felt her little hand tapping my knee on my thigh, she said, Granddaddy, Granddaddy. 
I said, yes. She said, how does the engineer see how to keep this train on the track when it's dark? I said, baby, he doesn't have to see it. He has a plan. It has a trail. Has a trail. God has a track. God has a track. It's called trust. When we trust God, we're going to be, no matter where it's dark or light, you hang in there with God. You trust God. I mean, I mean, goodness, God is trustworthy. And we need to hang in there with him and bless him and trust him. And it doesn't matter if you don't feel like it. I guess these people said, what an absurd thing for God to tell us to do, man. We're in captivity. Get us out of this and we'll get better. God says, no, you do it right now. I want to see you trust me when you're down in the lowness. I want to see you trust me in the dark. And I believe God is calling us to trust him in the dark. And you know what? If we can't love God and trust God when we don't have everything just like we want it, God forbid that we could trust him just when he blesses us the way we want. You know, Job said, said this when his wife said, well, why don't you just curse God and die in Job 2? And he said, shall, he's called her the foolish woman. He says, shall we uh, receive good things from God and not evil? So, May the Lord bless us. That brings me to what I want to try to say from this. We're talking about trusting God in all circumstances, right? Can you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Do you believe Him? I mean, when things don't seem to work out, you've got, to hang, you've got to trust Him. That's what faith is about. First thing I want to say is this. Trust what God gives. Secondly, trust what God says. And thirdly, trust what God has done. And I think these are brought out a, a lot more in these little verses. They're big verses that this little preacher can say, but, but I'm going to tell you. Trust Him. I got so excited about trying to tell you what I want to say today about this message. I was walking around this morning, and I was almost fearful. Most of the time when I feel really good about what I want to try to say, God leaves me flat. I think that's because there's too much randy in it. I don't want that to be here. What I want you to do is trust God, okay? Trust Him in all circumstances. It's the greatest witness that you'll ever have the privilege to bear, okay? So first of all, trust what God gives. No matter what it is, it comes from God. Now, can you take a whipping from God? I mean, that's what discipline is. When God sends it, we've got to take it. God says in Revelation 3.19, He says he, he chastens them that He loves. Any good parent will chasten a child they really love. But see, we've got to receive it as chastisement. And that's what God is saying. We have to submit to that. His chastening hand. Oh God, if I need it. You know, I think about my life, how many more whippings I needed than I really got. What a blessing it is to have somebody that loves you enough to correct you. And I'm going to tell you God's Word, the reason we can trust it, the Bible tells us that it's, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness, that we may be fully mature in Christ, that it's all holy inspired, it's all from God. Now this is under attack in the world today, and I want to say that again in a little different way in a minute. That is God's Word. But we've got to build upon this, we've got to trust Him, and we've got to show others that we do. That's how we become light in the world. Trust what God gives. Now, I know a woman that had a baby born, her first child. And that baby died when he was two years old. That baby 
was diagnosed with a genetic disorder at about six months of old. During his sickness and before he died, that woman became pregnant again. That woman went to the doctor. And the doctor said, you know, there's a 25% chance this baby that you're going to give birth to will have the same problem. And he was trying to use some fancy medical terms, but what he tried to tell her was, would you think about, don't you want to kill it? I never will forget what that woman said. She says, no, I'm going to take what the God gives me. I'm married to that woman. You can be really thankful you're married to somebody that trusts God. If you've got a parent or you've got a, a friend that trusts God, you hang in there. That's the greatest blessing you'll ever have. That little baby that the doctor decided that it might be good to take away and kill, that little baby is married and has two babies of her own. That baby is my daughter Sarah. Now, get, now friends, I know this for sure. I mean, you've got to take what God gives. Now, hey, that could have worked out in a different way. I mean, sometimes we pray that things get better, and it, they don't. But we still got to be willing to trust God. We got to be willing to be willing to trust God and bless Him and thank Him for it. What a blessing. What a testimony. Psalm 62 8. Look at that with me. These people, Israel. In captivity, God says, you trust me. That's what he's implying in this whole deal. See, God has a plan for every life. He's got a plan for your life. Are you going to trust him? Or are you going to try to make a way for yourself? Okay. Psalm 62, 8 says, trust in him at all times. That's all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge, a refuge for us, Selah. Think of it. See, you trust God. So what, what kind of, you know what that means? We don't have any cares. We give them all to God. You're talking about me, you know, some of, some of my life say, well, gosh, Randy, you've been in a lot of trouble. I didn't have trouble. I never had any trouble in my life. It's God's. I mean, you know what? I'm going to trust God. This trouble I have, this trouble that you have, these problems we have, they, these come from God. And I'm going to trust him, and I want you to. Lynn, I wouldn't say this if you weren't here, but you and Sally Marie, but you know, I went over to see them the other day after Brother Floyd passed away, and thank just like any friend, I know what to say. All I was going to say is that I, I, I'm so sad, I'm, I'm sorry. That's about what I said. I walk into her house, and this woman stands there, and she's crying, and she says, I said, Lynn, I'm so sorry. And she says, I know, but God has a plan. You know what she's saying? I'm trusting God. You know who heard her? Sally Marie, her daughter. I'm going to tell you, your children listen to you. You know what? The presence of trusting God is, is magnitude. It, it's just amazing what, what that does when you see people's lives trusting, believing in all circumstances. And we can do it. Look at 1 Samuel, the Old Testament again, in chapter 3. Here's Samuel, woke up by God. In a dream, and Samuel had a vision. And God told him what he was going to do to Eli, priest. Here's Eli, a priest. 
that let his son just live any old way. You know, when you think you can live any old way or let anybody else live any other way and not say anything about it, then you're really not trusting God. So what God told Samuel was, listen, I'm going to destroy Eli's house. You don't think there's consequences with sin, my friends? We've got to take another look. Jesus Christ died for sins, and he died for all of them for his people. I'm going to tell you what, that doesn't mean there's not consequences. When David, and I, I'm not going to go there, but I made him a note, 2 Samuel 12, when David sinned with Bathsheba and had Uriah murdered, Uriah, her uh, husband, and, and Nathan came to David and he confronted him with it, and David said, I have sinned against God, and they said, well, you're forgiven. Nevertheless, your son's going to die. And you can read in 2 Samuel 12 where that boy got sick and he died. And all during that death, David prayed that God would heal him. But when he died, David got up. And David says, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. What David was saying is, I'm going to trust you, God. This is a consequence. So in Eli's time, I said you'd turn there with me, 2 Samuel 3. And it says there that, when this come to Samuel, what God was going to do. In verse 18, and Samuel told him, that is, Eli every whit, how God was going to destroy his sons. Here's what he said, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. Can you say that? I mean, that is, that is what trusting God's about. It is, a go it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. Who are we to question what God does? What is it that we deserve anyway other than an eternal hell? Nothing, absolutely nothing. We're going to trust God. I tell you, we need to not whine and crimple so much as we do. We need to bless God that he's considered us and given us the, the measure to trust him. Whip over there with me to 2 Chronicles, 2 Corinthians, please. Here's a New Testament version of trusting God in all circumstances. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you've been there too. Especially when you're hurting, you need something to grow, grow on, trusting. In verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 4, the scripture says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know what this treasure is? Faith, trust. But we got it in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not going to be of our power that we trust God, it's God's. For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. You see here the resilience of trusting God in all circumstances. You see, trusting God... It's not just up on the hills. We, we sealed the scriptures, didn't we, where God is God of a, not only the mountains, but also of the valleys. And sometimes when you make up your mind to follow Jesus, you're going to go through the Gethsemane. You're going to have some problems. And the thing about God and what he's teaching us is that, that when God gives us trust and this treasure in earthen vessels, you can well believe that God's going to give us a situation, a circumstances to prove it. To see that if we trust him. 
And when that happens, we're going to see his glory because he says later on in 2 Corinthians 4, a latter part of that chapter, he says these light afflictions, they're not but for a moment. That's forever. And they work in us, he says, a far greater way to glory. There's something good coming about this pandemic. There's something good coming about this corruption. They work in us a far greater way to glory. And you know what that is? That is going to be shedness of this worldliness and understanding that what really matters is God and trusting God. So what we have to say every day when we face life is, do I trust God? Or do I trust my feelings or circumstances? Or somebody, what somebody says on the news. You know, I was driving down the road a couple days ago. You know, I, I get out in places, I put my mask on. I'm driving down the road and I say, wait a minute. I've been vaccinated, I've been past the 14 days. And they still say, wear a mask and wear two of them. I mean, you know, where's it coming from? And, and, so, and so it's not that you don't want to be cautious, but you've got to understand that, that we are in captivity. Right now, we are. So, so what? we can't give up. We've got to press on. God says be productive. So God says in Genesis 1.28 or so, he says that's the first thing he tells man to do, be fruitful and multiply. So, hey, we got to play the hand we're dealt, no matter what it is. Just because you got one talent, just go, don't go bury it and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm so impoverished. You know, I'm black, you know, so, so I need this special treatment. You know, the most disadvantaged person in the world today is a white male. You hear me? Exactly right. It's going to get worse. So we can't trust in circumstance. We can't trust in the philosophy and the humanity of the world system. We're going to have to trust in God. <laughs> and it's going to come out in our lives. Trust what God gives. That's my point. And God had called these people in Jeremiah to trust what he gave. In this case, it was chastisement. And how they had to prove they trust what he gave is how they went about it. He says, go ahead and keep on marrying, keep on living, keep on working, keep on praying. You know, I know there's a lot of people watching this in various modes that are so faithful Christians, they just don't feel comfortable coming to church. And I respect that, and I want to I I enhance that mode. But, but whoever you are, whoever we are, you know, when we first start going somewhere, make it the church first, okay? First needs, that needs to be the first priority because what does it say? That's I'm trusting God. Okay. So secondly, we can trust what God says. What God says. You know, that seems easy, but it doesn't mesh out all the time with our lifestyle. We think we can live any way we want. 
seems like. And we don't trust what God says. I will say this. I believe that your obedience to God correlates right perfectly with do you trust Him? See, if you're living in sin, you really don't trust God. That's the deal. You think you got to fool around and do this and that to get what you need, but you don't trust God to give it to you. See, it brings disobedience. The deal is, do we trust what God says? And the reason we don't trust God's, what God says in some circumstances is because we listen to the world. I was reading the other day, there's a man named T.H. Huxley, 1890, said this. He said he was a real, he was a friend, a biology friend, a biologist friend of Charles Darwin. So you can imagine his, his worldview. But he said this, he says, I see the day when faith will be separated from facts. And said from that day on, faith will be forever. Now, he's not talking about the kind of faith like we said. What he was saying is, we're going to separate religion or faith from facts. In other words, we're going to make science the, 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 the factual parts of life, okay? We're going to have religion to be values. And my friends, that is now 2021. That has come to fruit. So what we have is a life, everybody has an opinion. You can't call anybody's opinion wrong. Everybody has a truth, and it's their truth is based on how they feel. It's how they feel about a circumstance. If they want to live together and not be married, they feel this all right. If they want to have a transgender operation, that's okay. If they want to just steal and lie and cheat, I mean, that's okay. That's, I'm going to be me. <laughs> See, everybody has an opinion, but now it's got to where every opinion is right. <laughs> you, you can't call that anything. So what God says, I mean, so what we have now is a country, the United States of America, where the consensus of our land is not Christianity. See, what Huxley was saying is, anybody can have faith. They can be as many faiths as the world, people in the world. Doesn't matter. But see, that's, what, that's not what God said. We got to trust what God says. Is God's law, is His righteousness a standard, or are we going to have to figure it out ourselves? See, God is a God we trust in all circumstances. And that's not only in spiritual things. That's in temporal life. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20, listen to this verse with me. Here's wisdom. That's what trusting God is about. See, you can either trust God or you can either be tripped up by the devil. No in-between. Proverbs 16, 20, He that handles a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. 
See, your happiness is not based on your circumstances, but whether or not you trust in the Lord. That is our happiness. That is our strength. In Psalms 56, I made a note in my notes. I wanted to share with you a couple verses there in Psalm 56. And this is believing what God says, even when it doesn't seem to be panning out. Here's David again, a man after God's own heart. In Psalms 56, he says in verse 3, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. We're going to have some times we're afraid. We're human. What about those circumstances that bring us fear? We're going to trust in God. I will trust in thee. You make up your mind. I'm going to trust in you, God. In God, I will praise his word. word. What God says. See, what does God say about this circumstance? What does God say about how to live my life? Now, see, for a non-believer, you can find all kinds of reasons not to make this book valid. You don't want to believe it. The world doesn't want to believe it. <laughs> but you, God has given you his spirit, a revelation. And Jesus Christ is the world, and you want to hear from God, you hear from his word. Romans 3, 4 says, Believe in God and make every man a liar. Right in Jeremiah 29, we see the false prophets, they come along and say, you know, this is not going to last too long. It's going to be okay. God says you don't believe them. See, we need to be trusting God because if you don't, you're going to be tossed to and fro. See, trusting God gives us something to anchor our lives on. You know, I remember, uh, I shared this probably before to some of you anyway. I remember years ago, a long time ago, I uh, went to see my sister who was getting married in Colorado and I was hunting a lot then, so I hooked up with a guide up there who took me on a bear hunting trip in the mountains of Colorado, in the Rocky Mountains. And uh, I remember they were doing it on horseback, okay? And there was 12 or 15 guys on horses, and he had a horse for me. And I remember getting on that horse. And I, I never rid horses much. You know, I run hogs a lot growing up on the farm. I never did have a horse. But uh, I got on this horse, and I wanted to be kind of like a cowboy, like everybody else. So, you know, I was watching them reining the horses around the little camp area, and I was doing that. That worked pretty good, you know. You can follow what people do sometimes, and sometimes that's not bad. But there comes a circumstance in your life, just maybe, where you've got to trust God by yourself. I remember on that trip, about the second day, I remember we got out in the mountains and, and we come to this part where there was a ledge, I promise you, this wide on the side of a mountain, a trail. And, and straight now, must have been five, six hundred feet. And so I couldn't believe those guys were going to go there. And so, so I, remember, I remember seeing them, <laughs> I remember wondering what you going to do? And you know what I did? I, I quit trying to play cowboy. And I dropped the reins and I grabbed onto the horn of the saddle. 
I didn't care who saw me because I figure that horse had been there before. There are times in your life where God will carry you. You don't have to be dancing around trying to play like you're religious. See, the COVID and whatever it is can kind of hunker us down, but I'm going to tell you and keep us from doing things. But one thing it can't do, it can't make you not trust God. When you trust God, you glorify God. Man, that horse took right over that. I closed my eyes too. But I mean, that horse never missed a step. I'm going to tell you, God won't either. There are only one foot set of footprints in a lot of sins of life. And they're God's. And he takes you where he would have you go because he loves you. He says, you trust me. You just wrap your arms around me and my neck and you just trust me. Okay. That's what God says. He tells us, doesn't he, in Proverbs 3, Five and six, lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will bring it to pass. Now, do you trust him? That's the key. Lastly and finally, uh, you know, we've got to trust what God has done. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. I don't have this in my notes, but I think I can remember it. Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 11 of Ephesians 1, it says, In whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. You don't believe God has a plan for your life? then you're not going to believe what God says because he says it. And then in verse 12, that we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. You see how important it is that you trust Christ because people are watching you. Setting that example of trusting God. In verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, all of us have the same nature of trust. You hear me? But all of us do not have the same intensity of trust. Okay? In other words, when you trust Christ, we trust Him, the same Christ, that He died for our sins, that He rose again, that He's ever living and making intercession for us. You see, here's the way you trust God. You trust Christ, you trust God in all circumstances, because I'm thinking this morning as I talk to you that it's not because I'm a sinner and I trust in Jesus Christ that has borne my sin. Do you trust him? No, it's not because I'm holy. It's not because, because I'm unholy, but I trust in a righteous Christ who imputed unto me his righteousness. That's what you trust. 
Because that is a work that's done. You, you trust what Christ did, and Christ went to the cross, and he died for you, and he sealed the redemption of you by his resurrection. And he's a God that is the author and finisher of our salvation. He knows the end from the beginning. In Psalm 57, David says that in a most magnificent way. He says there, now Psalms 37, I went to the wrong place. I was at 57 a while ago. Psalm 37, look at that. You're not far away a bit. It says in verse 23, Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Trust him. Only God can open doors, and he shuts some too. But he says, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Trust him. Okay? And in verse 25, David said, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I want to ask you, have you ever saw a situation where a godly person, a righteous person, that trusted in God has been let down and just kicked out and had nothing? You have not. Because God says he has, done, he has laid it all out. He knows the day we're going to die. All of us right here. And it's not going to be a surprise to God. God has, God has called us to trust what he has done. And believe him. And bring glory to his name when we do. That's what trusting God is about. And what a blessing it is that we can trust him in all circumstances and that he will not let us down. And, and you can know that it's going to be circumstances that, that you don't like to go through, but you trust him and he will take you through it. And he's a God that we can trust because of his trustworthiness. Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us. We know how it's all going to end. I mean, we saw that in Jeremiah 29. God said that. He says, I know that you're expecting it. It's going to be for good. And I know there's circumstances that make us kind of, it's kind of scary in life, okay? And I remember growing up, I was pretty small, and there was a Western show. I guess my parents watched, and I was in there. It was Bonanza. I don't know if that ever comes on anymore. I kind of liked it. Boy, man, those guys would get in some kind of circumstances. And be, there'd be times when, when Hoss or Little Joe or Adam or somebody, I think that was the southern name, they would get in a situation. Now, I said, they're not going to get out of this. And then, lo and behold, I come to the point, I said, you know, they got to. <laughs> because this is coming on next week. And you know what? God is going to get us out of these circumstances because life is eternal. And when God sends us a day, he says, let us be glad and rejoice in it. And the only way you're going to do that is trusting. 
What it means is you have hope. Somebody said, I can't think of her name, but she said this. Hope is something with feathers that perches in your soul and sings all the time without words. See, that's hope because you don't know what's going to happen. But some way, it's the mag- majesty of God's eternal to giving us in His Spirit that we know we have hope. And it anchors us because we trust a God who is a God of all circumstances. Maybe do that. Heavenly Father, help us too. Would you bow with me? We thank you, most precious God. Help us to trust you. Increase our trust, O oh God. We know that it's a fruit of your spirit, but we know, Lord, we can grow it. Help us not to be ashamed of you, to obey you, to lead others to trust you, to believe your word, and to make your holy word the standard of our life and not some opinion or value system of what might feel like doing. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Your book says, Thy word is forever settled in heaven. Thank you, God. We can rest on it. You're not going to change. Your word is not going to change. Change us, O Lord, as we trust you in all circumstances. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.